Welcome to another episode of Compressed FM, a podcast all about web design and development with a little bit of zest. In today's episode, we have a special guest with Alan Villa. Alan is relatively new to programming. He taught himself how to write code in seven months and has made a career shift and gotten his first job. I know there are several people in our audience that might find themselves in similar situations or wondering if they can do something similar. So we're here to tell you that you can. My name is Amy Dutton, and I'm the Director of Design at Zeal. James Q. Quick usually joins me, but he is giving talks in Europe, which means I'm running the show and anything goes. So let's get into it. Web development and design, who would have guessed what we can do on both, even add a little zest. So turn up the volume, get ready for the best. Let's get it started in this episode of Compressed. Today, we're joined by three fabulous sponsors. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. Zeal is a software consultancy and they are hiring. And Dato CMS is a performant headless CMS. More from each of these later in the show. Alan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so with me, it's been a little crazy ride the past two years. So COVID hit, and once COVID hit, it made me want to do a completely different change in a career shift. So my background is I come from sales, been in sales my entire life, where I really started to get more into the higher skill cap of sales when I was a business banker for Bank of America. I did that, and just working with a lot of business owners, it really opened a, a huge alternate universe that I didn't even know existed when I came to business owners, you know, being just working at retail shops as a kid and things like that. So it really opened my doors and or like horizons to different things that I was able like to explore as opportunities to grow professionally. So I was in business banking for quite some time. I was one of three in our entire county that handed like the the city per se. And ended up moving to selling HR after that. It was PEO for a company called Trinet. I covered all of Florida and all of Georgia in that role. And we focused, my primary focus was on uh, biotech companies. After that, did TV and digital advertisement, which was pretty cool. So we used to film uh, people's commercials, put them on TV in front of uh, like NHL games, football games. Then did a little bit of payment processing. And then COVID hit. And the way how I made my money was if my businesses were doing successful, I was doing successful because the more money they made, the more money I made. So it was great. But once COVID happened, uh, it really, really affected a lot of businesses. And when it came to sales, it wasn't really like a cold calling environment. You know, it was more of let's make sure that we're taking care of like all of our people that are with us, you know. Mm -hmm. So we did that and it forced me to stay home a lot <laughs> never <laughs> before but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise i ended up just spending a lot of time with the kids spent a lot of time with the family and it made me realize you know how much you know chasing after businesses and all that stuff outside of the house just really took time away from my home and i wanted to make a switch and kim's brother-in-law had recently turned down a job for google and i thought like who the heck does that? Like, isn't that <laughs> like the holy grail? Like what, like what the heck, you know? Uh -huh. And he wanted to go to a startup because the cool thing about the startup is he was going to be able to, you know, build a team, help mm -hmm. drive the vision, which I thought was super, super neat. And I told him, I'm like, man, I wish I'd went to school for what you were doing. Like, this mm -hmm. is super cool because I'm a geek at heart you know? And next thing you know, he's like, yeah, well, you know, you could learn it. 
And I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have time to go to school. Are you kidding me? He's like, no. Mm-hmm. Like 75% of the developers we hire nowadays are self-taught. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> and uh, we happened to have done a road trip to North Carolina. I live just south of Tampa, Florida. And on the way back, I had talked to him. Hey, John talked to me about this. And she was like, oh, really? Like, what do you think about it? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to do some research on, on the way home. So I just had YouTube videos of just like going into web development, like, 2021 you know just plan <laughs> and when you have 10 hours of a drive just with just youtube videos you're freaking pumped after it it's like <laughs> you know what hon i think i'm gonna do this and she's like okay well like are you sure and i'm like yeah like i mean john's doing very well and there's a lot of room for growth in this industry and i think i could do it and she's like okay well what does that look like and we talked about the timing aspect of like how the time's going to work for us to do it because I worked like around 50, 60 hours a week and we have two kids. My daughter, she's 12, 8, and 7. So by the time you pick them up from school, you take them to school, pick them up, make dinner, do homework, make sure that Kim and I spend time with each other so she loves me at the end of the day. From 9.30 to 2.30 a.m., I was just coding and learning how to do it. Seven months later, I was hired and here we are. That's awesome. That's such a great story. You know, and I think you no, know, there's a lot of stories online of people that kind of that I feel like get rich quick, but like per your story, there's a lot of hard work in there. You're talking about <laughs> not much sleep for seven months. Yeah, there really wasn't too much sleep. It was tough, but it was I'm just really good at just figuring out, like, try to keep things simple. I try to kiss everything, you know, keep keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not the brightest person out there, but there are a lot of bright people that have made curriculums and, like, made this journey before I did. So I just kind of just trust the process, and I see the curriculums that are there, and I just kind of model with what I was learning based off the curriculums that are out there, and that's... That's kind of what I did. Awesome. What curriculum did you end up working through? Man, there's a couple, and it's kind of hard to remember, but there's a JavaScript class that was on Udemy. Really, really great guy. It's like the top JavaScript course that's out there. I can't remember the name for the life of me, but I watched that. But the main people that I really looked after, it was a Coding Phase and a Mosh Hamadami. That, okay. Those were the two. The really cool thing about Coding Phase is that you don't see too, too often is that while he's doing the course and things like that, sometimes it's a blessing, but it's a curse at the same time. Now, when you're a little bit more advanced, you don't need to see the hiccups and you don't need to see all of the all the errors. But when you're learning, it is crucial to see like somebody go through the errors. And then Mm -hmm. once they go through the errors, how are they troubleshooting? And that was a really, really neat thing with coding phase is like he just coded everything live. And as there's an error, you're seeing how he troubleshoots the error. Mm. When I bet there's a lot of people out there when they're learning to code, you know, for time perspective, because on YouTube, you know, we want to keep like the video short. I'm assuming that there's a lot of times that some people don't put those errors out there. And when it comes to like somebody that's brand new learning, they might not notice they made a typo. And then now mm-hmm. there's an error. And because they're learning, they have no idea how to troubleshoot it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can sometimes I feel really hinder us from us self-taught people from learning how to be like effective. 
because with us, as you already know, when it comes to programming, we're we're dealing with errors all the time, and we mm-hmm. just have to like figure out how to make things work. Yeah, I've seen some stuff on Twitter lately where you've done work with hundred devs. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually like a super cool community. I love it. I've only been on Twitter for about a month now because I was one of those people that, I don't know, whenever I thought of social media, I've only been on LinkedIn. It's like, you know, this is what's wrong with the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And because there's just always so much negativity. I was an advertisement, so I know exactly how the technology works and how the targeting and how like big brother-ish it is. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. So I just kind of stayed off of it. But it was actually James Quick, when I was watching some of his videos, he was going ahead and just talking about like Twitter being out there, being social, and how on Twitter there is a big community, and to making sure that you're learning in public, which was also mirroring a book that I was recommended to read, which was called Show Your Work, mm-hmm. you know? And the great thing about the 100 Devs community, it's just, it's a bunch of people, it's a bunch of developers that are basically doing the exact same thing. But they're doing it while they're learning. With me, I felt so lonely and depressed <laughs> because, <laughs> because I didn't have anybody. You know, I was just alone in my like office, just figuring this thing out. I only knew of two developers, but they mm-hmm. could never really help me with what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But the community has been absolutely great. Now, if I understand correctly, I've done a little bit of surface research on 100 devs. It's done by a guy named Leon. And during the pandemic, he just decided he wanted to provide education to people out there that wanted to learn how to code. And so he was trying to give 100 devs 100 jobs, and he's far surpassed that. Yeah, it's actually really cool, and I love where Leon's heart is, you know, because if you think about just there's a whole industry on, like, just getting people to buy their product to learn to code. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity that needs to be filled. So I can understand that. But the fact that there's so much money to be made in that industry and a guy like Leon is out there that are just doing this for people mm-hmm. that, you know, some people, you know, life is life and they might not be able to afford some of these boot camps. They're crazy expensive, some of them, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes with some of them, people will take them and then God knows how long it'll take for them to get a job. And right. for Leon to just be doing this for free, it's really, really cool because as I've been doing these coffee chats with these developers, like I'll be talking one day, it'll be somebody in Austria, then somebody in India, then somebody in Nigeria. There's quite a few in the uh, United States, but it's just it's been super cool just to get to meet all these different peoples from uh, like all different kinds of walks of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite things about being in tech is being able to talk to people all over the world and the world is big, but it makes it feel a lot smaller. Yeah. And no matter like where they are in the world, like they're speaking the same like language that we are, whether it be like Mm -hmm. JavaScript, you know, HTML, it's all the same stuff. Like when it comes to coding languages, you know, so it's, it's really neat to see that. And uh, the fact that Leon is providing a space for individuals to just go in and learn and also on top of that, have a community that helps support and build each other. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, for sure. I've thought about reaching out to him. I think I told you that about the UI UX side of things, just because I think that there's a similar need on that end of the spectrum as well. Yeah. And you know, that's actually what a lot of uh, what I've been actually filling a, a major hole in when it comes to with people, because what I ended up getting 
hired and what helped me get hired, I think it was just the UI UX side of things. Mm. So when I'm like thinking of, all right, I'm making a game plan of like how I'm going to get hired as fast as possible. I'm like thinking, all right, well, who's going to be looking at my stuff first? It's going to be the Mm -hmm. recruiters, right? Mm -hmm. Recruiters aren't all tech savvy. So they're just going to see something that looks good. Mm -hmm. And if it looks good, then they're going to give you an opportunity, you know? So I just kind of figured, you know, front end is definitely for the barrier of entry to get into the industry. I felt it's a little bit easier because you could have like the most amazing back end code, you know, but then the front end isn't as great. It's the recruiter. It's going to be a little bit harder for them to notice that. At least that's my opinion Mm -hmm. at the time, you know. So that's what I did. And I've been helping some people out, walking them through Figma and how that Mm -hmm. could be an amazing tool. Because there's sometimes there's images that we have or there's icons we're trying to get. And with Figma, you can make it so much quicker and easier. And it's you don't have to have a degree in Photoshop in order to do it. Right, right, right. And it's a lot cheaper than Photoshop, too. Yeah. Let me take a brief moment and talk about one of our sponsors. Vercel will meet all of your hosting needs. And we're actually hosting the Compressed.fm site and my personal site, selfteach.me on Vercel. They also power more well-known sites like Twilio, but you can use them for e-commerce, travel, news, and marketing sites. You name it, they can host it. When I got ready to launch the compressed site, it was super easy. I pointed it to the GitHub repository and told it what folder my next.js project was in, and then it just worked. Ridiculous, right? But they also power over 30-plus Jamstack frameworks, including Create React App, Next, Nuxt, Vue, Ember, Svelte, Angular, Hugo, and Gatsby, just to name a few. But one of my favorite features is when you set up your account, you get your own dashboard. And here you can invite other team members to collaborate or view analytics. So as soon as I push the code to my GitHub repository, it deploys that code and I can watch the build and its entire process through their custom dashboard. So be sure to check out Vercel. I'll include a link in the show notes, but special thanks to Vercel for being a Compressed.fm sponsor. So where did you get started when you were trying to learn? Did you start with HTML and CSS or did you just jump right into JavaScript? What was that path like? Yeah, so I started with Codecademy. And because I wanted like a course, I was like, you know what? I have no problem with paying for something if it's going to help me get to my goal faster. So I paid for like a roadmap that they had. Mm -hmm. And on the roadmap that they had, it first started me up with JavaScript. And that's what I started doing. Then what ended up happening, I got introduced to HTML, which is simple, Mm -hmm. but then I got introduced to CSS. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'll tell you what, JavaScript, HTML, okay, but CSS, like, that was, that was harder than JavaScript to me, you know? Oh, that's funny. It like, and that's just how it was. And because I spent so much time on CSS and trying to figure that out, I got so good at it. Mm. But then on top of that, like, I had to go back and relearn JavaScript because, like, my brain just completely, yeah, just completely lost a lot of the JavaScript, like, fundamentals. So because of that, I always recommend when people are starting out, it's it's HTML and CSS Mm -hmm. because JavaScript's important, but you got to know how the JavaScript is going to practically affect the HTML and the CSS. Mm -hmm. If not, it's kind of, you're doing all these maps, you're doing all these things, but you don't know how to practically use what you're doing to like manipulate the DOM. 
Yeah, it's a great point. That's funny that you said that about CSS. And the only reason I laugh is because the team that I work on is primarily engineers. They do a lot of backend stuff with JavaScript, but also Rails and Ruby. And the Rails and Ruby stuff is magical to me. I don't understand all of that. And my superpower comes in because I'm like, oh, yeah, CSS. I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. I guess my one of my key differentiators on our team is I can work some CSS magic. Yeah, and that's what ended up helping me with where I'm currently at, too. We have a bunch of amazing developers where I work, and we do uh, Department of Defense contracts. So all the work okay. that we do is all like government secret secret level clearance type things okay and uh the so you work can't talk about any of it <laughs> yeah if not I, I have to call my guy you know <laughs> Your guy. <laughs> i mean i don't know if i should have said that but uh <laughs> but no so like it's pretty neat the cool thing it's cool work that we do that really helps impact the world which is neat mm-hmm. the thing that stinks is like being a new developer when it comes to showing like what you're working on it's mm-hmm. kind of like eh you know, mm-hmm. so when it comes to like leveling up in your career, it makes it a little bit harder, which is why I ended up getting on Twitter to mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I can't do this, but what can I do? Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I started showcasing my knowledge right there. Mm-hmm. But anyways, to get back to it, the thing is, is that they do all these amazing things, which I found out that, you know, there's a huge paradigm shift a couple years ago when it came to developers that almost everybody was a full stack developer. And there wasn't really such a thing as a a front end and a back end developer. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the back end developers were using just mainly bootstrap to just get the front end going. And depending on how good they were on the front end is just how good they were because Mm -hmm. they're mainly in the back end code building the project out. And it's the same exact story with what you just kind of said about with what you shine on because I spent so much time in CSS and on the front end, they really liked what I did and they said, hey, I I think you'd be a great fit to just beautify our projects, you know, and just make them look nicer and give them Mm -hmm. a more modern feel and modern touch. And that's what helped me get my foot through the door. That's awesome. So we can, I guess, go a little technical or more technical when you're styling are you doing plain CSS? Or are you doing a flavor of CSS with React or Tailwind? What's your preference? Yeah, so so with me, I'm mainly like in SAS the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love SAS. I mean, now with CSS, it's been doing a lot of things that SAS has been doing. But I just love the nesting aspect of it. It's yeah, so much easier to just target rather than, you know, you having to rewrite the word in a separate line. Just the nesting mm-hmm. is so much easier. And for our site, it's just, you know, when you're doing JavaScript, you're nesting things and you could see mm-hmm. how things are nested in a function. And it's the same kind of line of sight when it comes to us with that too. Yeah. So I love SAS. And then I just started using Tailwind when I showed you the other day. Okay. And I love Tailwind. Like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty cool, you know, like with just how simple it is. It's just getting used to the names that's on yeah. there. But the one thing that I can say, because I write a lot in Next.js, mm-hmm. you know how like when you have to do it, you have to put like, you know, uh, put it in a code bracket and then you can put like styles dot and then whatever. And then you have to mm-hmm. import styles and then you have the file 
with styles and on every class name you have to like, put styles dot whatever and the IntelliSense isn't there yet when it comes to putting the brackets on the class names mm-hmm. the cool thing about tailwind you don't have to open up another file you don't have to have another file on the folder if you're affecting mm-hmm. the css you don't have to go to that file you just right there on that line just type whatever and mm-hmm. it just works so it's nice yeah Tailwind, I feel like, is an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah. Because the first time I looked at it, I was like, oh, gross. <laughs> Who would want to do that? And even if you go to the Tailwind site, Adam Wathan, the creator of Tailwind, says that a lot of people want to throw up in their mouth the first time they see it. But once you actually use it, and that's what I would encourage anybody to do, is just create a project, commit to it for that project, and then see how you feel about it once you really get your feet wet and dive in. So I feel the same way. I really enjoy Tailwind, but then I also really enjoy SAS. But in my opinion, it's a matter of having all these tools in your toolkit so that when you jump into a project, you can pick the tool that works best for that project. Yeah, 100%. And see, the cool thing about SAS is if you're working like on your own project, it's good. You know, I mean, the thing that's cool about Tailwind is I could see how naming conventions don't become a problem in the future. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because depending how big of a, a project you have, you know, you, you might have a class name titled Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, depending on how big the files can get. But, like, I try to just follow, like, the BEM naming convention mm-hmm. for things. Mm-hmm. It's just simple. It works. But with Tailwind, you don't really have to worry about that. So anybody can just go in. They could see it. And it's like, okay, this is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also like it for like if you're on a large project, being able to rip out a section of code, you can rest assured that the CSS and the styling is going to come out with that section of HTML because it has the Tailwind styles tied so tightly to it. Where we have a few legacy projects at work where there's just like loose CSS sitting in mm-hmm. the file and who knows whether it's been used or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just such an old project. Yeah, yeah. And it really keeps you from having to follow that breadcrumb. So then you're not having to like important something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, I try not to do the important. I think a lot of developers out there, they just don't realize that when they're putting important, it's because due to a lack of like specificity in your CSS. But Tailwind, it's a great tool. But again, it's all about use case scenario. And what your workflow as a developer is like, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a great article, and I'll throw this in the show notes, that's from CSS Tricks for helping determine specificity. And basically, I didn't realize this until I read this article, but it's almost like every class name or style grouping or whatever gets a score based on how many class names you use or whether you're using an ID or whether you're using a pseudo element or if it's just a regular tag. But it gets that score, and then you can use that score to determine what gets preferences. And so when I'm trying to do specificity, it's like, oh, if I just add an ID or if I just add another class name to this, it'll beat out whatever class is currently like ruling or overriding or creating that style. Yeah, and actually, like I remember too, I don't use it too, too much anymore because like, you know, once you get those best practices in, it kind of help keeps it from happening in the future. Yep. But I think it's like on uh, Chrome Dev Tools that when you highlight over a div or something like that, there's like a set of parentheses and it has like three items on there. 
And one is, and it talks all about specificity. And I think it's like one if it's like a class is attached to it, mm-hmm. one if is like there's an ID attached to it, mm-hmm. and there's something else that's in there as well that will show you like if it isn't rendering, why it isn't rendering the way how it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And this is the level of specificity that's happening with this particular element. Mm -hmm. I've also found it really helpful if you inspect an element and then on the far right of your Chrome DevTools, if you're in that inspect panel, there's a computed option and it shows you all the properties that are being applied and you can click on a property and it'll take you to what class name is causing that property to be applied. And so that really helps too. If you're just trying to see, is it even reading the CSS that I'm sending over? It's not being applied visually in the browser. Why is it not working? It'll show you what class is overriding it. Yeah, that's very true too. And even sometimes when you're going through that, and I think in React, it'll even, when you click on it, it'll take you directly to where it's at in the file from mm-hmm. the local hosting at times. So it's yeah. really neat and very helpful. Let me take a brief moment and talk about the company that I work for, Zeal. They actually sponsor our podcast. They design custom applications and develop primarily in Rails and React. They're a remote-first company. Even before the pandemic, they're based out of Southern Oregon, but I live outside of Nashville, and we have team members across the entire country. But Zeal holds a special place in my heart because, as I mentioned, I work there, but I can honestly say it's the best place that I've ever worked. And good news for you, they are hiring, so you could work with me. In particular, we are hiring engineers. So if that's you and you're looking for a change and want to work for an incredible company, go check out the careers page at codingzeal.com. I'll include a link in the description below. Special thanks to Zeal for being a Compressed FM sponsor. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I believe you had sent me a personal project you're working on. So you talked about doing some government work, trying to create different projects and things like that to have your work out in the open. And you're working on a personal project. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's actually really cool. It's definitely a passion project because it's a little bit of a bummer, kind of ticked me off, but uh, my son was getting ripped off at school with Pokemon cards. It's like, like, you know, it's like he's getting to a point that he's starting to trade things in school. And like, he's such a social kid, you know, and he... Like, I was always trying to, like, make friends with everybody. Mm. But there's sometimes that people would, like, try to trade. He trades Bakugans and Pokemon cards. Okay. And sometimes he'll be like, oh, Daddy, I traded this. And I'm like, well, what did you get for it? Oh, he gave me just, like, like there's a big Bakugan. It was, like, a big – they have these huge ones and they have these small ones. And he had this huge one. And then he's like, oh, I had this huge one. But then they gave me a small one, but it's okay, Dad. They promised to do my homework. (laughs) And I'm like, like, okay. And he's like, (laughs) and I'm like, but, but, well, did they do your homework? Well, I tried to remind him to do it before he left, but then he was like, yeah, he'll talk to me later about it. And I'm like, but, buddy, that was your homework, you know? I know, but I don't want to be mean. And I was like, oh, God. And then the next day, the same thing happened with a Pokemon card. It was like this holographic Pokemon card. I forget what it was. I think it was, gosh, it was one of these newer Pokemon. I, I know, like, I, I go back to, like, straight. the Pokemon, like, <laughs> blue and red. Anything uh-huh. above 150, like, forget it, right? Uh-huh. But basically, he had this Pokemon card, and I, it was a holographic, and then he got twos that weren't holographic. Okay. And I just knew right there, I'm like, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, this isn't a good trade, you know? Uh-huh. So we started thinking about it. And then I'm like, man, like, how the heck can I do this? Because I'm trying to parent it. And I'm trying to, it's kind of hard to teach a first grader how to properly haggle, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and, but then also, like, be kind, you know? Right. Because he has a good heart. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, just thinking, like, man, like, what could I, like, how could I, like, do this and how could I help them because I don't know too much about Pokemon cards and I'm like you know let me see if I could just make something and it'd just be pretty neat I know that when it came to learning development they always talk about a Pokemon API mm-hmm. I found a Pokemon card API and uh, I just started messing with it and I'm like oh okay this is something that I could do mm-hmm. so on Figma I just chopped up a really quick UI thing I threw it up on Twitter see what people liked it got a pretty decent reaction on there mm-hmm. and uh, I just opened up Next.js and just started making it so I'm in the process of getting it all completed right now which I'm like halfway done but it was super neat because the very next day we went ahead and we looked at it and we got all his cards out he's like oh dad mm-hmm. I'm definitely not trading this one. You see, this says rare. And this is why everybody wants this card. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you see, like, this is what we're going to mm-hmm. do. Whenever yeah. you were going to be doing a trade, let's take a look at this first to see if it's a good trade. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, like, I'm going to put a comparison thing on there. And I just told him, I'm like, hey, so, like, what's going to make it easier for you now? He's like, can you just put, like, a thumbs up and a thumbs down on whether <laughs> awesome. if I should do it? You know, so there's going to be like a comparison thing and that's going to compare the stats and compare the rarity. I got to figure out like how, like what stats I'm going to put and how I'm going to weight it. And then there's just going to be a thumbs up, you know, thumbs (laughs) down. And it has his name on it. Everything says like Aiden, like you can do this or do this stuff. And he just loves it. He thinks it's like super cool. So he went to school the next day. He's like, my dad built this for me. (laughs) He's like, it's not on the internet yet, but like. He's going to give me a website, and then we could pull it up on the iPad, and then the teacher is going to pull it up for the class and things like that. So it's going to be pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, major parenting points. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. James has talked about learning how to code with a program called Constructor for building games. And okay. so my son has been, like, trying to do all these drawings for this game and, like, tell me about this plot that he wants to build. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so complicated. (laughs) And just trying to help him set expectations. But I think Uh he's gotten some cool points with his friends. Like, we're going to build all this this game and it's going to do all these things. But we'll see how it actually pans out. (laughs) Yeah, we we will definitely see. Because I've wanted to do something similar like that with Ashlyn because she says that she's either going to be a coder or she's going to be a banker as she goes up. <laughs> Very <laughs> so different. Like, yeah, yeah. Or if so. she could combine those two passions, you know? Code yeah. something in the banking world, I'm sure. That yeah. And like- I told Ash, I was like, hey, you know, like, this is something you want to, like, learn to do. We could try to get some little odd jobs on Fiverr, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. that'll be... It's going to be better than the allowance I gave you for doing chores. (laughs) I love how you're like empowering your kids with code. To me, that's like one of the coolest things. And one of my favorite things about code is that it just, it does give you that ability to do things that other people can't do. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat because growing up, you know, we're from Puerto Rico and we came from just very humble beginnings. We moved from Puerto Rico. We came here, one family car. My dad ended up getting a job for McDonald's. So then 
my mom had a car to tote me around when I was a kid. He was driving a bike for, I think it was like 10 miles to get to his job, wow. you know, just to make things happen. And then growing up after that, you know, think life got better, obviously. My mom's a teacher. My dad was always a manager at work. But, you know, when it came to my parents, when they left, when they went to work, you know, they went to work, you mm -hmm. know, when they came home, they were mom and dad. So the really cool thing about, you know, with Kim and I both kind of working from home or have a home office, the kids, they get to see what work is in mm -hmm. a way. They get to see like what we do, how we do it, our expectations on how to get things done and the work ethic. Mm. So I think it's really, really neat to see how they see that and how they apply that to their job right now, which is school, mm -hmm. you know? And it's really cool, especially with Ashlyn. She's in middle school and how she's leveraging the organizational side of things on how Kim and I do things at home towards her education in middle school, which is, mm. it's super cool. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of that as a byproduct of the pandemic and the shift towards working from home, how a parent's work ethic really is going to impact the kid. Um, yeah. What they yeah. Say. Because, you know, we've been blessed with a lot of things and it's important for us just to make sure that, you know, there's a reason why we've been blessed with certain things and there's mm -hmm. a lot of work that goes into it, you know, and there's always a set of consequences in life for everything that you do. It's either going to be a positive one or it's going to be a negative one. And sometimes the consequences that you get that are positive, you know what, the negative one might give you an instant positive reaction to what you did. But long term, you know, it's going to hurt you in the end. So mm -hmm. it goes about doing the right thing because at the end, over time, it's going to help you overall, you know. Yeah. So, uh a lot of that goes into play and we just try to figure it out. I mean, just like any parent out there, there isn't a book and then whatever book you read, it doesn't apply to your child, <laughs> you know, so it's yes. like you're just trying to figure it out. But that's something that we just try to do. And it's, you know, knock on wood, it's been working so far. That's great. Yeah, I'm <laughs> treading those middle school years. It's oh, coming gosh. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, she's doing very, very well. She's doing very, very well. It was definitely the years that I've been dreading, but the kind of mm -hmm. conversations that I've been having with her, it's been it's been good, you know? There's mm -hmm. certain things that's just kind of like, all right, you're never talking to this person again, you know? <laughs> but at the same mm -hmm. token, like, I grew up in a very, very restricted environment that, like, mm -hmm. my parents were very, like, you will not do this, you will not do that, but it just drove me to do what they didn't want me to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just try to... I don't know, foster like a open environment for her to be able to talk to me. Sometimes I'm great at it. Sometimes I'm not so great. Yeah. But at least that way, I just want to make sure that she gets to hear, you know, her parents point of view on things. Sure. Rather than learning it from whoever she knows is going to give her the answer she wants to hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. And now it's time to take a second to talk about one of our sponsors, which is Dato CMS. Dato CMS is a complete and performant headless CMS built to offer the best developer experience and user friendliness in the market. One of the things I think is really interesting and neat on their website is if you hover on their Why Dato CMS tab in the nav bar, you see sections for developers, digital markers, and content creators. So it's got the entire audience covered. They also provide a rich CDN-powered GraphQL API with real-time updates, which is really neat. So all of you who love working with GraphQL and are looking for something that has real-time updates, this is really, really cool. 
They also provide a super flexible way to handle dynamic layouts and structured content and then have best in-class image and video support with progressive image loading out of the box. So if you're looking for a headless CMS that can help represent every member of your team, make sure to check out Dato CMS. Well, I wanted to pivot the conversation just one more time. You have recently started writing and committed to writing once a week. So I would love to hear a little bit about that process and which platform are you blogging on? Is it your own site? Oh, awesome. Okay. So Hashnode is one of our sponsors when we do the Thursday drops. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hashnode is amazing. I am a big fan. They have been absolutely amazing. The leadership team there is phenomenal. Like that I I can't talk about them enough. It's super super neat. Like I said, I I had been inspired to learn in public based off that book called Show Your Work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I saw James's video talking about, you know, why it's important for developers to be social and to be blogging and then also they use Hashnode and all that stuff. So I was thinking about doing it and once I got on Twitter I started seeing Sean Axum just pop all over the place. And he's just a super cool, like awesome, connecting, motivating guy. And it was a combination between James and Sean that really like made me pull the trigger on it. And it has been such a cool ride ever since, you know, like I was thinking about doing it. And then James actually ended up DMing me, which I was like, no way. This is so cool. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching him on YouTube ever since I was uh-huh. learning to code. And he's like, hands down, like, Hashnode's the way to go. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to do yeah. a blog, do on Hashnode. It's super simple. I watch his YouTube video about it. And it really is just as simple as it is. I got it to my own domain that's linked to my portfolio site, which is great. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. What I just blogged about was just... Uh, the headline of it or what like the tagline of my blog is it's a hired imposter secrets and with why i went with that is because i think a lot of us just struggle with that imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. no matter where we are and our careers because whether we're trying we've been doing something for a while and now we want to like get promoted or go a different route it got we always have that question like you know am i really going to be able to do this or am i Mm -hmm. not going to be able to do this And that's the premise of my blog. It's, you know, it's making sure that you understand, hey, like, it's okay to embrace like that imposter syndrome. We all have it. Mm -hmm. But let that be your motivator to make sure if you think you're imposter, you know, make sure you're not, you know, Mm -hmm. put the work in to get where you want to go. But between Sean Axlam and James, they got me to do it. Wednesday, James DM me about Hashnote. I got it all set up. And it's like, all right, I just got to write a blog. Got to write a blog. When am I going (laughs) to do it? And then uh, Saturday morning, Sean just put a post of like, who's doing a blog post today? And I was just like, okay, God, like this is you telling me to write a blog. (laughs) So I'm like, let me do my first post. Mm -hmm. I did it. And man, like it was so cool. Sean retweeted it. uh, James retweeted it. And within like the first post, it was like, Thing got like a thousand and something views within the first two days. That's awesome. And I had like four followers on, on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm like, how that could have happened, I have no idea. And yeah. then it was featured on Hashnode, 
which then apparently ended up getting featured on daily.dev, which I didn't even know was a thing, to then it was promoted on LinkedIn. And I'm just like, babe, look, this is what I wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you see this? And she's like, what? Like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know, but this website just featured (laughs) it, you know? So it was super cool. And uh, ever since, I've just been making sure that I just put a post out every Saturday. And I think that goes back to what we opened this episode with was people like to think it's a quick thing, but it's one step at a time and it's yeah. that consistency over time. Cause I mean, you could argue, well, it was just the first post, but it was the seven months of coding leading up to that one post. It's not just that one post. It takes time to build all that up. Yeah. And the thing is, I think sometimes a lot of times we cut ourselves short, you know, from like what value we have to add to people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I know when it comes to learning to code, I had like, there's typically like around three to four people that watch if I couldn't understand a concept. Mm -hmm. And between those four people, one of them would just explain it to a way that like, boom, it just clicked in my head. You know, and I think that like with anybody really that has been somewhere and this goes into the whole show your work book. It's like there's a lot of people that want to get to where you're at in life. And if you're just showing your knowledge and you're putting that out there to help people, mm-hmm. you never know who you could help. So whether you're learning the code, there's other people that are learning the code. And if you're trying to figure out Flexbox, there's other people that are doing it. If you write about it. You have no idea who you could help and what kind of chord you can strike, you mm-hmm. know, by helping people. And it's only going to just open all kinds of doors for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I've also found that even just writing stuff out, even if I don't feel super confident in that particular topic, writing it helps solidify that knowledge so that I understand it even better. So it's not even always about teaching somebody else, but also about teaching myself in the process. Yes. It's something that happens with our brain. It's kind of like, a lot of times when it comes to coding and it thinks like you think we'd all do it, but when you're really stuck on a problem, sometimes before you send a ping to your coworker or send an email, it's like by the time if you write that email out and you just let it sit there for a good like 10, 20 minutes, you'll figure out, okay, this is what the problem was <laughs> and now you know how to fix it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just something with our brain that it just helps click once we take the time to write it down. Well, I know we're getting close on time. We've had a fantastic conversation. I know we originally got connected because you were challenging me to rap. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And my coworkers have been giving me a really hard time about it. I'm like, oh, goodness, Good. there's no way I can rap. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, they were like, you just need to show up for the recording and just throw in some bars. I wish I had prepared. I don't have anything prepared. But I did think it would be fun to add something in post if I can make it work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So. Yeah, no, because it, it was pretty cool because it was the first time I saw James do something because he does all kinds of quirky videos sometimes. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it was like that road to a million. And uh-huh. then I saw that. And then when I started getting on Compressed FM, you know, on the intro, uh-huh. with like uh, it being with the little zest, yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, so this is a little thing that he does. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, I need to see more of this, you uh-huh. know? So yeah. I'm just trying to be be the squeaky wheel about it <laughs> to just like get a little bit of pre-refresher to make it happen, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think I told you this story, but what was funny was when James and I first agreed to do the podcast and we were trying to figure out intro music, he said, well, I could record a rap song. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 
good. <laughs> I really didn't know how to respond in that moment. And uh-huh. so I just thought, well, we'll just see, we'll see what it ends up being. And he recorded it. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is fantastic. Like if, yeah. if development doesn't work out for you, <laughs> you could <can, laughs> be a rap artist. So anyways, but it's, it's been fun, fun part of the show. So he's yeah. talked about recording little segments for each of the different portions that we have with the grab bag mm. questions and the picks and plugs, but we haven't gotten there yet. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I love how Zeal jumped on it with Twitter, and that was yeah. that was pretty funny. I was just like, "Oh man, this is great." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I've gotten a little bit of peer pressure on that. Well, so, anyways, but yeah, Alan, it has been a pleasure. I hope that we can stay in touch and continue to collaborate on stuff. And I would love to just continue to read the stuff that you put out, or if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey. More than happy to. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be, I'm making it a commitment to make sure that I drop like something new on my blog every Saturday. Like I said, I'm new to Twitter. I've been helping a lot of people out. If you follow me there, I'm always dropping my Calendly to just have a chat with anybody that's trying to break into tech or if you are new to tech, because that's definitely the areas that I could speak to, you know? Also, if you've been in tech for a while, I would love to learn from you as well. But I'm out on Twitter just to help us all better each other. And Twitter has been a really, really cool community as far as with the tech side of Twitter that does that. So it's been super encouraging and super helpful. Your handle is? Yeah. It's at R Allen. That's A-L-L-A-N, V as in Victor, I-L-A. Perfect. What's funny is I had my AirPods on right before we ended up recording and we were tweeting back and forth through direct messages and it was reading your name and then it would Mm -hmm. say rocket ship emoji, pineapple emoji, pizza emoji, nerd emoji. (laughs) (laughs) And then it would read me your message every time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because there's a, I think it's Shashi is who I go back and forth with. He is an active pineapple pizza people hater. And I just, there's so many people that just have an agenda against people that love pineapple pizza. (laughs) So, like, if you look at it, it's, yeah, it's Shashi Low with, like, it's got that circle with a dash, Uh like, like the no enter pineapple pizza. So I'm like, man, screw this. Like, I'm going to put pineapple pizza. Like, I'm going to rep that. That's awesome. Yeah, it read it all out every time. <laughs> Got That's very funny. But I love that. And I can support you in your pineapple pizza. <laughs> we can be Yeah, we can still I love be pineapple pizza. I just don't get why people hate it so much. <laughs> like, if you Google pineapple pizza, like, you will see, like, it's immediate hatred, like, on oh, the Google funny. search results of, like, if you go, why do people hate pineapple pizza? The first thing it says, to pineapple or not pineapple debate. And then it just tells you why pineapple pizza is horrible and why it's offensive and it's just (laughs) even google's against it oh man so if you're listening tweet at compressed fm or alan or myself (laughs) and let us know what you really think about pineapple pizza especially if you like it i want to hear it i want to know because i swear there's a lot of pineapple pizza lovers out there and we need to stand up together <laughs> and fight the hate. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, thanks so much, Alan. And uh, to pull one from James, that's all we got. 